What's up? What's up? How's everyone? We got, we got three bottles of water up here. Apparently I'm thirsty. Hey, uh, hey, can we put our hands together? Welcome everyone watching online right now. Sub 30, man, so glad to have you. It's good to see everyone. It is in fact coming up on Thanksgiving. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And hey, can we put our hands together for Pastor Petey Bingham one more time? We love you. During worship, you, you straight up preached a message on a cracked iPhone. Like that was, that's impressive that you got all that revelation out of just a cracked screen iPhone. That's amazing. So that, that is the, that's a true preacher gift right there. But you can just see random stuff and be like, there's a message in that. So happens to me all the time. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're gonna get to Luke chapter two in just a second. And um, hey, uh, as we kind of get ready to, <coughs> excuse me, close out the year, here at Sub 30, as Petey said, uh, we got tonight, no service next weekend, but then we're back on the 6th. Um, man, we just had a great year. We'll probably celebrate some more on December the 6th when we're back in service. But uh, man, right now, I just wanted to honor a group of people uh, here at Sub 30, and that is all of our Sub 30 group leaders. I just wanna put our hands together for all of them, probably many of them sitting in service tonight. And uh, we have had uh, the highest group's participation uh, that we've ever had in the history of Sub 30 this fall semester. And uh, our group leaders, man, they have worked hard. They've served hard. Uh, they've just been just connecting with people, bringing new people in all the time. And, uh, I, you know, we, we've said this before, I think, when I, we shared about groups and, and stuff in the past, and we've given people an opportunity to sign up. But the thing I love about Sub 30 is I truly want this to be us, that we're not a ministry uh, with groups. We're a ministry of groups. Like that, that's who we are. Groups are at our core. And if you missed it during the fall semester, then man, there's gonna be a spring semester rolling around pretty quick. And, uh, and if you come to Sub 30 and you've been coming for a while and you're like, man, I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of finding my place. I'm having a hard time connecting and meeting new people. Then you're missing it if you're not in groups. And our group leaders are awesome. They've done an incredible job. And I just wanted to take a second and honor them and uh, let them know how much we appreciate them because they are fantastic. And uh, yeah, so Luke chapter two is where we're gonna get to tonight. And uh, anyone staying, who's staying in town for Thanksgiving? Who's staying in town? Anyone going out of town? Who thinks they're going the furthest away out of town? Where would that be? Where? That's not even that far. I could walk to South Carolina. That doesn't, I'm just kidding. So who's going, anyone going out of the country? Out of the country? No, okay, awesome. World travelers, great, all right, so. <laughs> so uh, it's an American holiday. That's true. It is true. So I'm going to Brazil to celebrate Thanksgiving. So let's just open up our Bibles. So, all right. So, hey, I got to give you some context before I start reading uh, right here in Luke chapter two. Okay, so what's happening right here <clears throat> before I start reading is um, the Spirit of God has been silent now for 400 years. Okay, that's a long time, uh, 400 years. Uh, God really hasn't been using any prophets. He hasn't really been doing anything. I hate to use the word significant, but, but you understand what I'm saying. Since the close of the Old Testament, God has been pretty silent uh, for 400 years 
until we pick up reading right here at the beginning of the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke. And it says this, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Before I start reading this, has anyone put up their Christmas tree yet? Am I the only one? Okay, so, so this is what always happens, right? And, and I have a point here. I'm always like the first person on staff to put up our, our Christmas tree at home. And so naturally, I'm gonna preach a, a Christmas message way before Christmas even comes. So uh, we're in like these Christmassy passages right here tonight. So, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were afraid and terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they <coughs> hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen which were just as they uh, were told. Now flip over to Matthew chapter two. We were just in Luke chapter two. Let's go to Matthew chapter two because the shepherds weren't the only ones who were told about this baby uh, being born. And we're gonna read a, a Matthew chapter two starting in verse one passage. It says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, uh, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, all of Jerusalem with him. Uh, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of all of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found them, uh, found out the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find them, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, uh, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, uh, they returned to their country by another route. Tonight, I wanna preach to you if you wanna write down a title. I'm simply calling tonight the gift exchange. The gift exchange. And, and you need to understand this, Sub 30, before we pray. Um, had it not been for the passages of scripture that we just read right there, like had it not been for Jesus Christ, who, who was up in heaven, son of God, putting on flesh and bone and being born into earth, obviously living a sinless life, ultimately dying on a cross, raising from the dead, had it not been for this whole elaborate story, you and I would have no hope. We would have no hope whatsoever. There would be nothing to put our hope in, but because Jesus right here 
Luke 2, Matthew 2, because he came to earth willingly to serve and give up his life for all of us, then we can sit here today in November 2015 and we can have hope, eternal hope, in the person of Jesus Christ. The story is incredible. If you've never read the whole story, go, open up your Bible and read it because the story of Jesus is the biggest love story of all time and it absolutely brings an immense amount of hope into our life when we receive the message. So tonight we're gonna talk about the gift exchange. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every time we open up the Bible, God, uh, Lord, if we like lean in and we receive, it's never gonna leave us the same. We're always gonna see something we've never seen. We're always gonna hear something maybe we've never heard, and when applied to our life, it's gonna make us look more like Jesus. Lord, we love you, and we welcome your Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight in Jesus' name, amen? Awesome. Hey, um, this time of the year, as we get ready to approach Christmas, it's Thanksgiving, you know, coming up. As we're approaching Christmas, I find myself in like more awkward moments than in any other part of the year. And it always has to really do with gift exchanges. I don't know if you could feel me on this, but um, you see, there are those people in your life that you are very, very close with, right? You're, you're, you're so close with them that, that you're gonna get them something for Christmas, for the holidays, and you're pretty certain that they're gonna get you something as well, right? Like, that, that's how close we are. But when it starts to get awkward is when someone presents you with a gift and you ain't got nothing to give back to them, right? And it's just awkward, it's at an office Christmas party, it's at some kind of, of event, it's a holiday celebration, right? And the person approaches you, and the reason it's awkward is, is they extend this gift to you, and it's so awkward because here's what's happened. At some point in the previous year, you have made such an impact on this person's life, like you have been, you're, you're so meaningful that as they were sitting down to buy gifts and write cards, you had so impacted them this year that they thought, man, I cannot skip this Christmas without getting a gift to show my love and appreciation for this person, right? But you, being the lame Scrooge that you are, <laughs> didn't share in the bond, you didn't feel the connection, and now you don't have anything to give back, right? Like, like they thought of you, and it's so awkward sometimes, like hear that you got nothing for them, and they're like giving you this gift, and they're saying so many nice things about you. They're like, man, I just wanna tell you, like you were the best friend. I think you're my best friend in the whole world, and I just consider you really like a hero in my life, and you have meant so much to me, and if I had to choose my kids or just hanging with you, I might even choose you, and like you're just, and, and, like, and the whole time you're just like, please shut up, just stop talking, I don't have anything to give you, you know? And, and what makes it a hundred times more embarrassing is when they realize that you don't have a gift for them and then they say something like this. They say, and, and hey, by the way, like, it, it, look, if you don't got nothing for me, it's all good. It's just, I just wanted to give this to you. It's, and, it, and now you know that they know that you know and it's just, it's embarrassing, you know? And you look horrible. This happens to me all the time growing up, if you can't tell, so I'm really feeling it. I'm literally, I was the kid growing up, straight up, where I would forget to buy my parents' Christmas presents, and on Christmas Eve, I'm like writing IOU cards. I'm serious, I'm wrapping up IOU cards, you know what I mean? It's 250,000, might wanna hang on to that one. So, uh, 
I'm writing all these cards out, right? It's, it's awkward sometimes at, at gift exchanges with people during the holidays. And, and I thought about that, you know, I'm piecing this message together, I'm reading these passages of scripture, and I began to think about this time of year. And, and as I read these passages talking about the birth of Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit reminded me that, that look, I never wanna come into the presence of God and have nothing to give. Like it's one thing to be embarrassed at a gift exchange at an office Christmas party, but I never wanna be embarrassed with nothing in my hand to give the man who gave every to me. I never want to be embarrassed at a gift exchange with Jesus. I never want to come into the presence of God. I never want to receive the word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, this amazing gift that Jesus Christ is giving to me. And then I look down at my hand and I got nothing to give back. I don't want to be embarrassed in a gift exchange with Jesus. And, and so as I'm thinking about this, the Holy Spirit just kind of asked me the question, and I want to pose the question to you tonight, and, and it's simply this, what are you bringing? What are you bringing? We, we read about three wise men. They, they had some gifts, right? Coming into the presence of God, they had some gifts. So my question is, what are you bringing to the gift exchange with Jesus? And so tonight, for a few moments, I just want to kind of unpack this passage in typical clay fashion. I just, we're going to see some things along the way in scripture, but I hope this is an encouragement to all of us tonight. If you want to take some notes, man, write some things down and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. But the first thing I noticed was uh, in Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight, just a couple things and we'll get to kind of the main thesis and point of tonight. But starting in verse eight, it says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, right? And then the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. The, the first thing you can write down if you're taking notes is this. Your Bible wants you to know, first and foremost, that this all went down for the shepherds at night. See, sometimes we read over passages of scripture and, and we just kind of, we, we just, words are just words. It's never like, I, it's a treasure hunt when you're reading scripture. There's always something to see. Even the, even the most meaningless of, of words, they're not just there to fill space, they're there to speak to you. They're there to preach messages to us if we'll let them. And the Bible wanted you to know it all happened for the shepherds at night, right? In the middle of the night, not, not one day, not one afternoon. It was actually at night. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that even in the night seasons of life, the word of the Lord can still reach you. The word of God can still reach you even in the night seasons of life. I don't know, maybe you feel like you're living a night season right now. Maybe you feel like, man, it's just been a, a horrible fourth quarter of the year. You're praying. You don't even feel like your prayers are getting past the ceiling. You feel like you're just in a proverbial night season, like all alone, by yourself. Where's God? Hello, hello, hello. Does anybody hear me? I want to remind some people tonight, the word of God can still find you. The word of the Lord can still reach you. If you've never done like a study on the names of God, I would encourage you to Google it, right? Like do, do just a quick study over the holidays on the names of God because what you'll come to realize is, is God is, is many types of people. And, and the God that we see right here, how he would define himself in these passages of scripture is Emmanuel. In other words, God with us. I just came firstly tonight to remind some people that he is still Emmanuel in 2015. He is still God with us. He's not God far from us. He's not God removed away from us. He's God with us. He's with us in the day and he's with us in the night. And his word can still hit you square in the heart even in the night seasons 
of life. And, and I just think that there's some people who just feel like you're on the backside of a desert somewhere and you don't know where God is or, or is God even care about my current circumstance or situation, he can still reach you. He can still reach you. I mean, come on, if the angels can find just some random shepherds out in the middle of nowhere to bring the most magnificent of good news, then God can certainly find you wherever you're working, wherever you're going to school, whatever family you're in, God can find you and bring his word into your life. I love what King David said in Psalm 139. He said this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I even get away? Like, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God will find you anytime, anywhere. You are not too far gone, too far lost for Jesus to get his message and his calling into your life. The word of the Lord still reaches people at night. The second thing I noticed was in verse 10. It said this, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Everyone say great joy. Great joy that'll be for all people. You see, this was like the main message that the angels came with, right? Find the shepherds at night, and this was the main message. Here it is, sub 30. All they came was to really say this. They're just saying, listen, joy is coming. Joy is coming. And you're like, that, that doesn't even seem that significant, Pastor Clay. That's, I mean, I figured it would be a little bit more profound than just joy is coming. But no, no, listen. When you haven't heard from God in 400 years, you hadn't, you hadn't seen a move of God in 400 years, but yet all of a sudden at night, the sky breaks open and heavenly hosts are now singing and declaring to you that joy is coming back home. This is significant. This is significant, that joy is coming. But, but here's when joy comes. Joy comes when you receive the message. Joy comes into your life when you receive the message. And when the angels receive the message of the good news, all of a sudden joy flowed back in to the earth. Joy is coming. Jesus is now here. And, and I think that there's people in life sometimes and, and they're searching for things that they will never ever find because those things are only able of being had in Jesus. You'll never find joy, right? Like it's Christmas time. Like everywhere you go, it's like joy, hope, you know? Like all of these, all of these Christmassy words that we just create Christmas signs with. You know, joy, joy. You'll never find joy apart from the one who is joy. You'll never find hope apart from the one who brought hope. You'll never find salvation apart from Jesus Christ who died and rose again to bring salvation to mankind. You'll never find it. So many people in our generation sit around thinking, man, I just, I, I don't even feel happy. I wish I had joy. I don't know why I'm so depressed. I don't know why I'm so this. I don't know why I feel down all the time. I just feel like Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh. I've just always got something going on. Why can't I find joy? It's because you haven't received the message. And when you can receive the message, joy comes home. It's a significant message for us tonight. It's the same things. And, and I love what it said. You, you can keep reading. It said this down, down in uh, verse 16. So they hurried off, right? They found Mary and Joseph. They found the baby who was lying in the manger. And listen, when they had seen him, they spread word about him. Right, concerning what had been told to them about this child and all who heard it were amazed. If you got a Bible open right now, if you're writing some stuff down, write verse 17, underline it, highlight it. Verse 17 is important, right? Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread word about him. Joy has now come back 
They're excited, man. God has now spoken. It's been 400 years. God has now spoken. Joy is coming back. And when they saw him, they spread word about him. Listen to me, sub 30. When you truly see the light of the world, you'll tell the world. When you truly see the light of the world, you'll tell the world. The shepherds, they, they actually saw the baby Jesus lying in a manger. They received the message. They're feeling the joy. All of a sudden, everything has now changed. What, what our ancestors dealt with, not, not hearing from God and not understanding what was happening, we now are partakers of the joy. And they saw, and their natural response after seeing was to run and tell everybody. We as believers, well, I'm here to tell you, when you truly see and behold Jesus for who he is, when you truly understand that you were dead in your sins, that you were gonna be eternally separated from God, we can preach about hell another night, we don't have time to go there, but you weren't getting to God. You weren't getting to the Father, but yet Jesus made a way for you to cross that chasm that you were never gonna be able to bridge across, and now you can actually be a partaker of righteousness. You can be seated at the table with Jesus and God the Father, you can experience all of that. Man, when you behold all of that and you receive all of that, your natural response should be to tell everybody. Everybody. And I would just say to every believer in here tonight, every person who has a relationship with Jesus, if you have a hard time telling the world about Jesus, then I would just, I would just submit it to you tonight that you need to get another glimpse. You need to get another revelation of who Jesus is because if you can constantly keep yourself catching revelation, Jesus, his grace, his mercy, what he's done in my life, I might not be where I wanna be, but I'm not where I used to be. Jesus has got me on the move. I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm maturing. If you can constantly keep that coming in, then truthfully, we should have no problem speaking loud about our faith. We should have no problem telling people on our campus about our church, about, about how, how, where we're getting fed, about, about our Bible, about, about serving Jesus, just about living for the Lord. It, it should be a natural response to seeing Jesus for who he really is. And, and I love what scripture says. You, you can go on and read this. Uh, the Bible said that, that all who heard it were amazed. All who heard it were amazed. I'll say this, sub 30, they always are. They always are. I've never met a person that when I share Jesus and the light clicks on in their head that they're not amazed. Not like, not like no one gets the light bulb turned on and they're like, oh, well, that doesn't really seem like a big deal though. I mean, that's just, no. Like, like everybody when they hear and they receive and all of a sudden, bam, it just clicks. Everyone's amazed at the message. Everyone's amazed at the gift exchange that God would wanna take your wages of sin in exchange for wonderful righteousness. Like talk about a white elephant Christmas party. Like, like, you, like you, you offered up the worst gift ever and Jesus is like, it's okay, I'm, I'm gonna give the best gift ever in your life. Everyone is amazed at that message, but you gotta receive it, you gotta receive it, joy comes in, and when you see Jesus, you spread the word. Uh, you write this down if you wanna take some notes. When Jesus is not intimately known, he cannot be accurately shown. When Jesus is not intimately known, he cannot be accurately shown. Shown, Man, when you have that relationship with Jesus, it's why we preach on devotion. It's why we preach on prayer. It's why we preach on private worship. It's why, because man, the more intimately you know Jesus, what, what that's gonna do, it's gonna make your witness just more effective. It's gonna make your witness more effective. Some people are like, man, I, I, Pastor Clay, I just don't know what to say to people when I'm going out, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to witness, I'm trying to tell people about God, I'm trying to do all of this stuff, and I would just say, look, don't, don't beat yourself up over the witnessing, just get so in his presence that it just is an overflow of your life 
when you go out. Some people get so worried about the, the words they're gonna string together to make it make sense. You're, you're worrying about the wrong thing. You just worry about intimately knowing Jesus and from the overflow, your life is gonna speak volumes and minister to people. You gotta know him though. You gotta know Jesus. And when I read Matthew chapter two, uh, moving along, the, the first thing I noticed was that the shepherds and the wise men, they're, they're told about the good news in two very different ways, right? Like you, you can read your Bible. Um, the shepherds, as they're told about the good news, the shepherds get like lights, camera, action. Heaven opens up, it's loud, angels show up, they're singing, they're dancing, I don't know what they're doing, you know, they're whipping and nay and I don't know what's going on. They're doing all this kind of stuff, right? And it's just, it's, it's, it's extravagant, it's big, it's oh my gosh, like no one is missing this. Are you seeing this? Like this is huge and glory to God in the highest and all of this stuff. There's a baby born in a manger and they're getting, it's the biggest display of the good news, right? That, that's awesome. Magi, wise men, they didn't get none of that. They got the shaft when it came to how Jesus was coming. They don't get any, no angels, no singing, no dancing, no, no whipping nay nay, none of that. All they got was a star, like a millions of miles away. That's all they got. It's just a, it's kind of a, a peculiar star. I don't know, we've never seen that one before. And you know, they didn't get any extravagant d- display. And as I thought about that, you know, I, th- I thought, man, that's kind of similar to like people today. There are some people, and, and the way they receive the good news in the message is in a very elaborate pr- production style of service. Kind of similar to what we have here at Sub 30, right? There are people who come through our doors and, and their first understanding and, and, and seeing of the gospel message is gonna be, is gonna be this. It's gonna be, it's gonna be loud, it's gonna be vibrant, it's gonna be singing, it's gonna be preaching and lights and all of this. It's gonna be a real big display. But there's other people who receive Jesus a different way. There's other people who are gonna say yes to Jesus in an office cubicle because a coworker told them about the Lord. Now, that's not lights, that's not camera, that's not action, but yet they're, they're still receiving Jesus. There's people that are gonna receive Jesus in the Middle East, going to some underground church that has no fancy anything, but yet they're still receiving the word of the Lord. So, so in other words, the Bible shows us right here that there's two very different ways that people can get to Jesus, but the road leads to the same place, right? Shepherds got a, a big display. Wise men didn't really get a, a, a big display at all in you know, I thought about this, that, you know, we gotta decide now, you know, as people who come in here and we get to, we get to receive this big display, because think of it like this. I'll just break it all down for you right here. Um, the shepherds, they got a big display. The wise men didn't, but it was the shepherds who showed up with no gifts. I don't know if that's ever crossed your mind. Like the shepherds got the lights, camera, action, but yo, dudes, you showed up with no gifts. You showed up with nothing in your hand to bring. And it makes me think of like, like places like us and really just Western church in the world who, who just were, were blessed to get this style of good news presentation every single week. But how many people are showing up with no gifts in their hand? How many people are coming into the presence of God week in and week out to, to where Jesus is, to the presence of Jesus, and you got nothing to give? Like shepherds, really? Like, like really, you got, you got the big news, but you didn't bring anything. And I think for us, Sub 30, we gotta understand that, that if, this, if this ever just turns into some religious obligation that you're just checking off on your weekly checklist, like, okay, I went to church. If it's only religious obligation, then we're missing the plot. We're missing it big time. 
I, I don't want this to be religious obligation because truthfully, if that's all that it is, I got better things to do on a Sunday night. If this turns into just some religious checklist for me, I, I got a son at home right now that I would much rather just be sitting on the carpet playing with than just being here fulfilling a religious obligation. But if this is about relationship and this is about going deeper in Jesus and actually bringing something into the presence of God as he's ministering to me, but yet I got something in my hands to give back to him, well, then that's worth it. That's big time worth it. Coming into the presence of Jesus, never empty handed. I, I tell our leaders this all the time. If we start coming to church to get more than to give, then we're missing it. Big time missing it. I wish more people would come to church like Jesus came to the planet to give and to serve. Too many people come, come into the presence of God and it's, it's their me time. It's, it's, it's God, this is my me time. What are you gonna give me? How are you gonna serve me? What are you gonna do for me? God is not the magical genie that you rub who grants three wishes. No, no, when I come into the presence of God, I'm not just looking to get, I wanna give. What's in my hand tonight that I can give while I'm in the presence of Jesus? And so that's the question tonight, and we're gonna look at what we can give. The Bible tells us, and we can learn a lot from these three wise men, the Bible tells us that they brought three gifts to the presence of Jesus. These are gonna preach to us tonight. They're gonna speak to us. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I remember it's like a, I had this thought. It was like a few years ago, I was actually preaching a little bit of this, uh, not this whole message like this, but I was preaching like these elementary school students about the gifts that like, you know, the wise men brought. And I'm like, okay, let's all shout it out together. So like, what's the first gift? And every, all the kids are like, gold. I'm like, yes. What's the second gift? Frankenstein. That's close enough. So, um, well, what's the third gift? And no one could get myrrh. Like, no one ever remembers myrrh. So at this point, I'm just getting random stuff. Xbox, Justin Bieber, Target gift card. I don't know. So gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I, I, here's what I think these gifts are. I, I don't think they're just cool gifts, but I think they're a representation of what we need to bring every time we come into the presence of Jesus. So the first one was gold, right? Gold represents something of value. They brought it to Jesus because it was a symbol of his kingship and his virtues. So what does it represent for us? I think for us, you know, gold is a representation of something precious, something that we long to have. I think it's, it represents our gifts, our talents, our abilities. Like, like we long to have those things. We, we, we go to college and we spend tens of thousands of dollars to make our talent better to make our gift better, to make our ability better. We, we, we love it, but what we need to do with it is we need to always offer it as a gift to Jesus. God, use my gift, use my talent, use my abilities. I'm gonna bring it and offer it to Jesus. And the second thing was frankincense, right? Incense, it's a perfume, it's a fragrance. It's a symbol of Jesus' priesthood. You know, the Bible tells us that incense, and you can read in Psalm, Ephesians, and Revelation that, that our worship and prayer is like incense, a fragrance, unto the Lord, it's the second thing I think we need to bring every time we come into the presence of God. I wanna bring my prayer to Jesus. I wanna bring the petitions of my heart to Jesus. I wanna bring my very best worship every time I can to the presence of Jesus. I think frankincense is a great representation of that. The third gift was myrrh. Myrrh is an anointing oil. It was what they put on bodies as they were burying them. It was the burial process that you would use myrrh for. It's a symbolism of, of, of death and, and life at the same time. And that's what it represents for us. It's our very lives. 
even to the point of suffering. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, for I'm crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me, and he gave himself up for me. It's the third thing I wanna bring every time I come to Jesus. So in other words, here, here's my posture. You wanna know what I'm doing on the front row during worship at sub 30? It, it, it's simply this. It's simply, God, I'm just saying, Lord, as, as I'm in a moment of worship, God, I'm bringing you my worship. God, I'm bringing you my prayers. If I have petitions on my heart, that's what I'm doing while I'm down here. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not just chilling out like until it's my turn to preach. Like I'm, I'm, this is what I'm entering in, right? I'm saying again, God, all my gifts, all my abilities, they're, they're, they're yours. God, I'm nothing without you. I'm not that creative without you. I need your Holy Spirit. God, I'm surrendering all of it over to you. Use it, grow it, mature it, all of these things. And, and thirdly, I'm saying, God, my life, everything about me, my whole being, God, I'm surrendering over to you. I wanna give these gifts to you, And I heard it said one time, and I think it's so true, what makes a gift a gift is the fact that you put it in someone else's hands. As the band gets ready to come up and, and join me tonight, keys can come and play. What makes a gift a gift is the fact that you put it in someone else's hands. So like, if it's Christmas time and I got a gift, and I'm like, hey, hey Tyler, hey, what's up man, hey, I got this, I, I got this gift, man, and, it, and I, you know, I got it for you, and it's, it's really cool, man, dude, you're gonna love this gift. When you open it up, it's gonna be awesome. You are gonna love this thing. But I'll tell you what, I'm just gonna like hang on to it for a little while, and I, I'm just gonna like keep it right here. But it's yours though, you're gonna love it though, but I'm just gonna kinda hang on to it. That's not a gift. It's not a gift at all. Like, it doesn't matter how cool it is, doesn't matter how much he wants it, as long as it's in my hands, it's not a gift. What makes a gift a gift is when you put it in someone else's hands. You, listen to me, Sub30. You know why some of you are having a hard time handling your life right now? Because you're still trying to handle it. You gotta get the gift out of your hands and into the hands of someone who can work a miracle with it. As long as your life is in your hands, it ain't no gift. It's no gift because you're still holding it. If you want your life to do more than you could ever do with it, you gotta get it out of your hands. You gotta put it in the hands of the man who can work a miracle. You gotta put it in the hands of Jesus who can, who can grow it, mature it, do amazing things with it, build the kingdom of God with it. It's not a gift when it's in your hands. And understand this, life is predicated on whose hands you're gonna put something in. Life's predicated on whose hands you're gonna put something in. Let me say it to you like this. I'll give you a few examples. If you put a basketball in my hands, it's gonna be worth $20. That's like all you're gonna get, you know what I mean? But you put that same basketball in LeBron James' hands and all of a sudden it's worth millions and millions of dollars on the court, right? You put a golf club in my hands, you might get a few decent shots on a good day, but you put a golf club in Tiger Woods' hands and now you got 14 major championships and 79 tour wins, okay? It's all based on whose hands you're gonna put something in. You put a paint and some paint and a brush in my hands and I will give you some stick figures on a board. But you put some paint and a brush in Leonardo da Vinci's hands and all of a sudden you have a masterpiece that'll take your breath away. See, it's all about whose hands you're gonna put something in. Is that too secular for y'all? Let me make it spiritual real quick. Okay, if, if you put a slingshot in my hands, I couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. But you put that same slingshot in King David's hands and all of a sudden giants are coming down and the people of God are getting a victory. You put a staff in my hands, I will shoo away a dog. But you put that same staff in Moses' hands and all of a sudden the Red Sea is parting and people are walking over on dry ground into promise. 
Come on, you put a hammer and nails and wood in my hands, I will build you a jacked up birdhouse. But you take that same hammer and nails and wood, you put it in the hands of Jesus, all of a sudden you get a cross that brings freedom, salvation, hope, redemption, salvation. Come on, come on and give God some praise tonight. It's all based on whose hands you're gonna put something in. Whose hand? We're talking about a gift exchange tonight. You can stay standing. We're gonna pray in just a second. Talking about a gift exchange. You wanna know what this gift exchange is about, Sub 30? That, that God, Jesus, he, he would exchange his eternalness. He's sitting up in heaven. Before, before Luke 2, before Matthew 2, Jesus up in heaven next to God the Father, but that he would exchange his eternalness to come down temporarily, put on human skin, flesh and bone, which, which equates to a, a, a ticking time clock on his life, that, that he would trade that, that he would come to earth, live and die, so that you who were going to live and die could now partake in his eternalness and his righteousness. What a gift exchange. Jesus literally looks at us and says, hey, give me everything that is so jacked up about you. Give me everything that is so messed up about you. Give me everything that you hate about yourself. Give me every mistake that you, that you like, get so angry that you keep making over and over and over again. Give me all of that mess. Give me all that dysfunction. Give me all that chaos. Give me all of that just, just ugly, nasty stuff. And here's what I'll give you. I'll give you purity. I'll give you wholeness. I'll give you joy. I'll give you righteousness. Understand this, Sub 30, you, you are never catching up to righteousness. Like you, you are never getting it. You got a better chance catching a train at full speed on your two feet than you ever had catching up to righteousness. But because of the gift exchange, Jesus has now given and we are partakers of his divine nature when we receive the message, when we accept the good news. And please hear me tonight, in 2015, the news is still good to hurting people. And man, I just wanted to remind some people tonight, two services left at sub 30, and your, your life could probably be doing a whole lot more than it's even doing right now if you'll put it in the right hands. Life is predicated on whose hands you're gonna put something in. You can keep it in your hands, but it's only gonna do so much. It's only gonna produce so much. And at the end of your days, if you kept it in your hands the whole time, you might not even be too overjoyed about what it ended up doing. You might not even be too excited about what it ended up doing. There, there's a lot of people, they keep their own life in their hands. What do they got to show for it? E even people who live their life and, and they, they, they accrued millions and they, they got millions in the bank and guess what happens? They die and they take none of it. So man, that wasn't really, it didn't, that's not really worth a whole lot then, is it? Like, in the grand scheme of things. No, no, but man, you put life in the right person's hands. You put your gifts, talents, abilities, come on, that gold in the right person's hands. You, you take that frankincense, that worship, that prayer, you put it in the right person's hands. Man, I'm telling you, Jesus will do amazing things. I can only sit here on this stage today at 30 years old and thank God that I had a revelation just, just years and years ago that I was just gonna get my life out of my hands. I, I, I surrendered to the Lord fa fairly young, considering 
a lot of people maybe in our generation who don't find God till much later in life. And so I, I was fortunate, I guess, in that regard to, to really grow up in a house that honored God and did all that. But, but please hear me tonight. I made my fair share of poor choices when life was in my hands. Oh my God, so many bad choices. I was all, I, I, I didn't even have much life to live yet, but I already saw a pattern of, man, if I keep living in my hands, this doesn't look like it's going anywhere productive. It, it looks like this is going all sorts of hell if I keep living with it in my hands. But I just got a revelation one day, you know what? His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His will is much better than my will. His, his plans are much better than my plans. His purpose far exceeds anything that I could have ever conjured up for myself. I gotta get my life out of my hands. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, just as the star helped guide the wise men to Jesus, Jesus is still doing that in 2015. He is still the light of the world. And anyone who wants to walk towards him, walk towards the light, you know what you will find. You will find salvation. You will not find condemnation. The thing I love about scripture is that if God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner. But he wanted to save the world, so he sent a savior. And that's what Jesus is. You will not find condemnation in Jesus. You will not find guilt in Jesus. If you feel guilt right now for maybe things you've done in your life, that's not from God. That's just the enemy playing games with you. Don't, don't let him play games with you. There is no guilt in Jesus. There's no shame in Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts our life. He shows us where we're missing the mark, but at the same time, he's bringing us and pointing us back to Jesus. There is no shame. There's, there's perfect love in Jesus. Some of you, maybe, maybe you're afraid. You, you, don't, you don't know what life's gonna be like fully devoted to Jesus. Maybe there's some fear. Understand this, perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus is love. There is no fear in following Jesus. Father, I just pray for these people. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit speaking to people. I thank you for, your, God, even right now, you're, you're, you're granting, giving second chances, hundredth chances to some people. God, I, I never want to be in your presence without something to give. We, as a community, God, all of us collectively never wanna be in your presence anymore without something to bring. God, we know what we need to bring now. We know it requires our life. It's a reasonable sacrifice for what you have already done for us. God, we love you. And right now, just with no one looking around, tonight, if maybe you're saying, man, Pastor Clay, I need to, I need to make a fresh, new, real, legit profession of faith on Jesus. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. I, I want you to be bold, and I just want you to lift your hand right now. Just go ahead and shoot your hand up. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not even gonna call you forward tonight but I would love to pray with you. Hands going up, just keep it up. Man, I'm so proud of you, so stinking proud of you. Just keep it up, hands up, all, all the left, the right, the back, the front, hand, hands up everywhere. Because I just wanna pray a special prayer with all of you. Some people may be making this decision for the first time. Some people just kinda, man, I just need to come back to God. I've been far from God, I just need to get back right with Jesus. With every hand still lifted, I just want us to repeat this prayer. I'm gonna lead us in it. My prayers are not magical. 
Bible says it's your faith, right? You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you shall be saved. A lot of people put too much weight on the preacher's prayers. Your prayers are just as powerful, just as effective. I'm gonna lead us in this, but we're all gonna pray it with faith together. Everyone say, Lord Jesus, tonight I surrender my life to you. I believe you are Emmanuel and you're with me even now, that you're the way, the truth, and the life apart from you. I can do nothing from this day on. I take my will and my plans, I throw them to the ground. I take up your will, your purpose, and your destiny for my life. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your blood, that it cleanses me from all unrighteousness, that I can move forward serving you with boldness, with gladness, with joy, with peace coming back into my life. From right now, tonight, November 22nd, 2015, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, let's put our hands together.